Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're back after, ooh, well you might know if you're a regular listener to the show, you might notice there's longer gaps uh, between episodes, but uh, we are back. I was on the road for a very long time moving to my new place, and uh, John has been patiently waiting while I got here and set up, and uh, here we are. We're back after, what, two months? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, we recorded a whole bunch of episodes, so hopefully there wasn't too much of a delay. I usually do twice a week, but there was a period where I went two and a half weeks, I think, without an episode. And uh, that was weird. Yeah, there was a lot of silence. I had to fill it, fill, the, fill that uh, void in my life by, uh, well, my ongoing just posting songs from our podcasts. Yeah, that was, it was nice. Like, keep, uh, well, also a reminder to your, you know, to go listen to the old episodes. Yeah, it's like I may take a break on that once we get to the end of the 80s since we still have yeah. the 90s to go through. Uh, so we are now in year 1991, and we both have our list of top 10. This was easier for me, uh, uh, you know, having a lot of choices. Whereas there was a couple years there where I struggled. I wasn't even sure. I think one year I even I didn't even have 10. I had nine. I don't remember. But um, I, I think this is the year where also I lost my list, <laughs> and I gave you a list thinking I hadn't already done it. <laughs> and you were like, that's not the 10 you gave me. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, I think you had seven on their uh, on your revised list, seven that were the same, and then all of a sudden three more. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, well, I remember I sent you seven in the first place, and I sent three like a, a couple hours later, and I didn't find that. I was like, oh, I only did seven. Well, I got to go back and add three more, and then I was like, oh crap. So uh, we don't have a coin flip, but um, it's I'll just let you go. You go ahead and with your uh, your. I can't remember how do we do this anymore. Do we do one and one, or do you do your ten? Yeah. I do my ten. No, I do my I do one, then you do one. Okay, one. okay. I don't have any particular order. I don't know if you have an order. Uh, kind of, but not really. Okay. Uh, but oh, before before we get started, I was an idiot and didn't mention this on the our great grunge off episode. Uh, now, so you get to all hear it here, since we're not going to talk about Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh, isn't it kind of funny how uh, Nirvana kind of quote unquote stole? allegedly the riff from killing jokes uh, 80s for come as you are which then hmm. in itself sounds suspiciously like the riff from the damn's life goes on it, it's so hard though there's so many songs and, and, and when people say they still verse when i hear people get sued for their songs and i listen to them i go mm, that's not like it's really unique it's just a similar pattern like you remember when uh, beautiful stranger by madonna got sued by some songwriters that had an obscure song like in 1968 or something like that. I was like, she's not going to know what that is. Well, it's usually the song. It's Madonna probably has no idea what it is, but the person who wrote the beat might. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe. Okay, yeah, but it's That's, just like it's it's hard after all these years not to have movies and songs that are similar. Yeah, no, it's, that's the thing is uh, at least in this one, Kurt Cobain did know that and was worried about the riff income as you are sounding a lot like the 80s oh, okay that he he was aware that there that not so much that he was stealing it but that he was writing something that was very influenced by and then when finally put to record <laughs> really sounds a lot like it uh and then but like in the case of the damned uh, the Damned song, uh, killing the guys at Killing Joke swear that they've never that they had never heard that song, but it's like a song released two years prior. So yeah, who that's, knows? It's hard. Yeah, and um, then again, that same riff has been in like 
I was looking this up just moments ago. That riff is in like a couple of other songs too. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I had I felt like bringing that up because around that time we had we had done uh, Killing Jokes '80s and we were doing the grunge off, and I was I felt stupid not bringing that up. Yeah. Well, and, and we're not gonna bring this that one up uh, just because it's it's so so big that there's no way it wouldn't make your list. You know, I got a couple here that are questionable, but I think over time some people have forgotten about them, so that's why I'm, I'm adding them. Well, but, same same with one of definitely one of mine. Yeah. But, okay, first up, Dell the Funky Homo Sapiens, I Wish My Brother George Was Here. That was on my list, uh, but I let you have it because I had too many to go through. Oh, my God, this album is amazing. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. Uh, <laughs> me and my sister saw this while we're on a road trip. Um, God, it was really late at night, and we were just blown away. We had never heard any rap song like this because at the time you were only getting, uh, you know, on mainstream radio, you were only getting like really uh, white mom suburban friendly music, you know, like uh, <laughs> MC Hammer and stuff like that. Yeah, or it would you start kind of getting into a little bit of the gangsta stuff. Although yeah. that's still that's still like maybe a year year two in in the forefront of us as well but yeah it's like this this album hypes me up so much i mean you like the you got a one two three punch of what is a booty mr dabalina and a wacky world of rapid transit and these songs just they just make me so happy like and the thing is like it's it's an album that feels like uh, a lot of the stuff that you know production wise and stuff kind of feels like it'd be at home in the gangster rap sort of thing, you know, not not too far removed from the fact that Dell's cousin is Ice Cube, and Cube does kind of show up every now and then on this record. But it's everything about this is basically it's a album about life and the things that just both frustrate us and bring us joy. And oh man, it's just this this is like uh, I, I have to say it's like Dell is basically like the hip hop equivalent to an observational comedian. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Because, yeah, he's I mean, he's just pointing out these things, and he's doing it in such a way that you can't help but laugh. Like, uh, oh, God, what is it? Uh, oh, the one, one where the guy's you basically, like, your friend's uh, sleeping on your couch and just kind of bug you and just be in this, you know, like, we, we all know that guy who will come in and kind of, in a way, take advantage of your good intentions because he's, you know, he's your friend. He, of course, you're gonna, you know, help out your friend, and then you just kind of like he's worn out his welcome within the like a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, and there's uh, a reason why he's held up over the decades, and why like really cool artists want to work with him. He's just a very unique voice, and I really even when he goes away from his solo stuff, like when he did Deltron. 3,000? 3, is that it? 3030. 3030. I knew something wasn't right there. You know, and then when he was with the gorillas and stuff like that, there's something so unique about his style that uh, it really holds up. And this is the year for me with hip hop. 91 is the one where I started, like, oh, this is the sound I'm looking for. Unique uh, samples and different flow. You know, it's, it's, this is the year that I'm like, yep, I'm in now. Yeah, this this is definitely a, a very good year year for uh, hip hop and rap, but uh, you got nothing else. I I'm just happy with just saying this is my favorite Dell album. Yeah, of, 
Well, I, well, I, no, I should say I do love the the two thirty thirty albums, but that's also again more of a collaboration, not a solo effort. Right. Um. So where am I at here? Uh, I, I'm not gonna go in any particular order. I was gonna try to do like uh, you know, one similar to yours, but screw it. I'm gonna get disorganized, and everybody knows this. So I'm just gonna start off with Spin Doctors, a pocket uh, full of kryptonite. That's supposed to be on my list, right? That is on your list. <laughs> okay, just making sure because it wasn't here. I'm looking at everything that I wrote down. You must have suggested it, and I said, oh, yeah, that sounds good, and never wrote it down. Um, Spin Doctors are known as a one-hit wonder band, and that is a complete and absolute incorrect assessment of this band. No, two-hit wonder. Two-hit wonder. Uh, Come po- on. Uh, no, Pocket Full of Kryptonite. Or, no, is it the Ode to... Jimmy Olsen's Blues, yeah. That one was a single. wasn't as big, but it did chart. And I, I think their sound, uh, you know, they, they were coming out at the same time grunge was breaking out and for some reason people lump them in there or they lump them in with one hit wonders and they're not they're uh more jangle rock which is a apparently a genre that i just made up but i know it exists i saw it on wikipedia um you know they're one of the first ones in blues travelers in gym blossoms and stuff like that you know pop friendly kind of alternative that sound that's what the spin doctors were kind of you know them and matthew sweet and uh Oh, I can't remember who they are. I am uh, the one and only. I can't remember who sings that. Soup Dragons, maybe? No, they sing Divine Thing. No, I'm not. That's, at least, at least from what you were singing, I, that one doesn't come to mind. Yeah, they were all hits around this time that were more radio-friendly. You know, not cool MTV-friendly. But uh, I really think the Spin Doctors... It, it's a shame that they were so big with their first album and then just collapsed after that. And it's, it's so weird when that happens. It's like people get sick of their songs and it says, that's good, we're, we're done. Just like Hootie and the Blowfish or Gautier or whatever. They're like, you played this too much, we're out. Well, what's funny is I almost started like my little comments that I was working on this with, wow, this album blows. Like, I, I know Loomis can't be wrong. I know uh, Two Princes. I love those two songs. Those are, you know... I. Partially nostalgia, partially the fact that they're amazing songs. Uh, but then I, I get about halfway through the album, and not counting Loomis Can't Be Wrong, I really still think that the first half of this thing is trash. But then once you get uh, to uh, The More She Knows, that's when everything starts to click for me, and everything after that point I love. Yeah, I I'm think what... I think the problem with the band is the same thing it was with like Blues Travelers is that they were more famous on their road because they had kind of Grateful Dead style shows, you know, just get high, come to it and we have our songs but we do a lot of jamming. You know, you know, we'll have the 20 minute harmonica jam session and that's what they were kind of known for and it's hard to put that on a record. Well, and that's that's also the thing is you mentioned uh, Blues Traveler and John Popper and the guy who uh, is fronts this band, and I guess one of the other guys from it, we're all in a band together, and that's kind of why John Popper shows up on this record in like the second half of it. Yeah, and it's uh, I really would love to see Spin Doctors live. I mean, I I like the idea of the jam band. I like the idea that you know you take you take a concept and you roll with it, and as long because these guys are got a pretty good funky feel to them, so it's. I kind of feel that it's a lot of what they do doesn't translate to, you know, four to five minute songs. Like you're saying, it's their, their songs that are, you know, Pink Floyd length. They're, you know, it's, you've got to sit down and experience 
you know, the music as opposed to just kind of easily digestible, minuscule snippets of, of a concept. Yeah, and I, I think that I mean, they've moved on. At least lead singer has moved on. He, I guess he got a degree, like a medical degree, and that's what he does now. Um, but he still does uh, like reunion tours, I guess, occasionally like, during the summer. So it's still possible to see him, I guess. Yeah, from my stand, they are together. Uh, one of the things, on, at least on Wikipedia, I guess they fired their, their bases for uh, – being anti-vax or something yeah and and that's how i caught up with him on um uh twitter is that someone was arguing with him saying oh you're just a one-hit wonder and he's like look you're a no-hit wonder so <laughs> it's better than what you have so shut up yeah like i said i it's a band that i would love to see live uh, the album as i said it's it's one of those rare records where the back half of it is the superior side of it. Yeah, which is unusual, honestly. Yeah, usually front load, front load stuff so that everybody wants to keep paying attention. And like I said, it's like I felt bad. I almost, I was getting to a point where I was going, "Is this going to be an album to tap out?" I, I wanted yeah, to hear this, and, and, one. and I would never blame you because you and I have both tapped out on certain records. Like, mm, well, you love it, but I cannot keep going. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, I was something going, wow, I really underestimated this. And then, like I said, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, okay, now I am now I think I'm picking up what you're laying down. All right, well, so what is your next album? My next one is A Tribe Called Quest, The Low End Theory. Awesome. Made my list, but I let you have it. I'm a giving yeah. man. This, this is one I, I'm not going to have a whole lot to say, kind of like the last time we spoke about the, about Tribe. I mean, this is an album that you should own, hands down. Oh, yes. I mean, the stripped-down production of this, uh, the production of this is so sick. You know, it's pretty much just vocals, drums, and the bass with occasional jazz samples. Like, I mean, everything about this album, you just have to take it in. I Words, my, my petty words, my pathetic words cannot describe the awesomeness of this album. Yeah. It's it's one of the best. I think the next one is a little bit better, but yeah, this one. Ah. And everybody thinks a Q-tip with this band. And, and that's, he's the breakout star, I guess, but all of them together are just a, such a powerful unit. Yeah, it very much so. Uh, I mean, what, maybe, tri- maybe has, what, they have five or six albums, and I think only one of them is not as good as the other ones yeah was that the so, new one no no i think it's the, like the one that they ended their you know the, the between the long hiatus between them and their final album the final album's amazing but uh, i think it's like that last one and i the name is escaping me at the moment all right you're uh oh it's my turn um it's your turn DLR. <laughs> I wrote DLR. Everybody knows. Nobody calls him that. <laughs> Even though he went for a while as a DLR band. David Lee Roth, A Little Ain't Enough, is one of my all-time favorite albums. So much so that in, uh, I can't remember, like, we had a, a painting class, but it was a very particular painting class in college for theater where you had to paint huge pieces. And I did the cover of this album, which isn't his artwork. He took it from some old piece I've seen before. They used it in wine advertising as well. Um, 
this is a carnival. This is a party album. It's it's lumped in with hair metal. I it, it's barely a hair metal album. I think this is a wild, horn filled, goofy ride. Yeah, that's you have another album on here that I listened to that one before this, and there's a huge difference between those two albums. And the main one is yes, this one's fun and actually upbeat. And like I was two songs in, and I was ready to party. And with the other one, I was basically just hearing this boring arena rock album. Oh, did, is that one of mine? Oh, I know which one it is. It is one of yours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, like, it's it's not so much that it's a great album because I don't think it's really a great album, but it's again, it's fun. Yeah, it's I'd rather fun have a fun album. album that's not trying so hard. You know, it's like uh, you know, shoot it is a blast. Hammerhead Shark is fun, bluesy, kind of like ZZ Top on Coke. You know, it's like, uh, this is one that I would definitely would, I need to get a copy of so I can just play in my car. Just, I, I need to have this every now and then just to have some fun. Wow, I didn't know this, that the concert tour that he had for this album with Extreme and Cinderella was a huge flop. That sucks. Because it seemed like it would be a big, fun uh, thing to see in concert. Dang. I could imagine that. And, like, what, Extreme at this time would have had, what, pornography? But, shoot, what would the Cinderella album Yeah, be? they're, they're uh, they are past their peak. The funny thing is, um, the album after this is a fucking mess. Unlistenable mess. Because uh, he overproduced it with so many different sounds. He didn't know what he wanted whatsoever. He's coming out of the hair metal kind of stuff with Skyscraper in 88. And this album is just, like... This weird festival, and he was kind of like that with his uh, post Van Halen like EP, you know, where he was doing like old uh, standards, you know, like Louis Prima songs and Beach Boys and stuff like that. I think this is the closest to that. And uh, the reviews were terrible, but I just had so much fun with it. My favorite in here is Hammerhead Shark. It just yeah. fucking moves. But he's got some blues in this too. Um, so uh, tell the truth. Um, Sensible Shoes is a great song, uh, which is basically just a harmonica blues song. Um, and then Last Call kicks ass. It's Showtime. is It's not the last song, which it should have been, uh, or the first song, honestly, um, because it's such a big, big, loud song, and it's just so much fun. And I, I was kind of surprised at how he organized these. Yeah, I said it's... I, I was kind of surprised. Well, I shouldn't say I was surprised with this because I did sample stuff when I was going through uh, to do our perfect set list uh, thing. So I did. I did hear parts of this album. And I think I. I think I did pick pick a song or two, but uh, you know, sitting down, actually going from beginning to end was you know definitely made me happy. Yeah. All right, your turn. All righty, Ice T's. OG original gangsta. I feel yep. like I should like this more. I don't know why I don't, and it bugs me. Like I feel like there's something wrong with me. <laughs> it's fine, well, but I guess I just I, don't like his flow. Well, I think part of it is this is definitely far more into the gangster rap stuff, and you're not as big onto that. No. And we're gonna we're gonna butt heads. We we've said this before. We're gonna butt heads on a few things. Later yeah, like, mostly it's the industrial stuff that I have the hardest time with. But gangster rap, I'm not too in with. But what's out, what's interesting about this is that there's, I, I'm genuinely surprised anyone could actually get bored listening to this album because there's 
this album is so varied in its tone and style. Like, I mean, you got pumping tracks like Mike Commander, Escape from the Killing Fields. Then you got, like, a little bit later, the jazziness of Bitches 2. And then there's this slow, dark song, The Tower. You got this acapella track, uh, freestyle track called Prepare to Die. Then, of course, uh, one of the main reasons I picked this is Body Count, where he introduces his metal band, Body Count, to the world. Because it's like this almost a brick wall that you run into because, you know, you got all these rap songs and all of a sudden, you know, it, it stops and he introduces like how like in his interview format that, you know, yes, you know, people kind of give me shit for uh, in liking rock music. But, you know, come on, this is the coming for blue. This is this is black music. And, you know, just because people don't necessarily associate, you know, African-Americans with this style, and they should, because he doesn't bring this up, but Jimi Hendrix, Chuck Berry, come on, you know. Uh, it's like, I've got a metal band. And then he, I've got to say, Ernie C., the guy who's playing the guitar on this, is one of the most underrated guitarists of all time. And it's a hell of a track on a hell of an album. Like, I mean, there's... God, there's so much on this. Like, I, I really could go for a long time, but I don't know if you want to spend an hour. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I liked it on... more than the last one. That last one was last one was very good for political commentary, and this one has it. But this one is a lot more, like like a, a variety of of what he what he is was known for and will be known for. Yeah, and I, so I think, and for me, this is like my last favorite Ice T rap album. Yeah. Well, this is before he started taking off with the acting. I mean, he had just done New Jack City, and I, I believe the album was completed before it was released, and that was a big hit. And he started getting offers like crazy, you know, like to do Trespass and Surviving the Game and Tank Girl. Um, yeah. And it it's always kind of funny to uh, to see him play a cop after uh, yeah <laughs> for after... years on end. Yeah, after some of the stuff on some of these albums. <laughs> but uh, this is, as, as the rap album, this is like maybe the last Ice-T rap album I like, but we are going to go into some body count, so be prepared for that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, is it my turn? It is your turn. Queen's final album, Innuendo. What a hell of an album to go out with. He really puts his heart and soul in it, even though he was really not feeling well. He was towards the end of his life, and I just... I think that a lot of the songs are so powerful. Um, and it's kind of a shame that their comeback was after he died, after this album came out with, of all things, Wayne's World is what brought them back into, you know, people's, uh, you know, view. Like, oh, I remember this band being great. My parents listened to this. Or, or people discover it for the first time. Well, it's yeah, and I guess well, technically, this isn't their last album because well, there is I don't "Made in Heaven," but that it well, that was stuff he recorded, you know, before he died. Yeah, but uh, last last re re album where he had full input, last album where he was, you know, because he sounds he sounds amazing, and I just really this is kind of a morbid thing. I'm kind of curious. To, to have been a fly on the wall and just, I'm, I'm curious how sick he was while recording this uh, versus, you know, like him getting worse over time because yeah. like the videos, I guess he's definitely not looking that looking good, but I mean, his voice is amazing and I, this 
I, I don't think this is definitely not my favorite of their album. I think it's a really good one, and yeah. definitely there's a good reason why this was a hit album. Because uh, yeah, like I said, there's some powerful stuff in here. Uh, I think there's some interesting stuff. Like I'm I'm going slightly mad. Has this kind of mid '80s Depeche Mode vibe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You've got uh, Don't Try So Hard with some Pink Floyd vibes. Well, Headlong I mean, is a pounder. This one sounds like yeah. it's off that. What's the one that I really... Uh, it's a Kind of Magic. That's not it. Is that the name of the album? Some Kind of Magic? No, it's the one from 86 with the, the songs from Highlander and Iron that, Yeah, Some Kind of Magic. Oh, okay. Um, that one, it sounds like it, it belongs with that. Some of these songs, I wonder if they were just older songs they finally got around to finishing. I don't know, but Headlong is so badass. And yeah. and these are the days of our life. lives are so powerful. Um, but the, the, I think the greatest song on this is The Show Must Go On. I mean, that yeah, is a absolute show. Did they have – I know they did the, the the movie, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody, which um, I'm still confused as to why it was so praised. It's okay. Um, but did they have a musical? I feel like there was one of those show tune – you know what, what they call it, jukebox musicals where they just pick the hits? I feel like they did that. And if The Show Must Go On wasn't in that play, I'm confused. Don't think so, but then again, it's hard to say because there's a lot of jukebox musicals. But I would have thought if if it would have been in any film, it would have been in Rock of Ages. But Rock of Ages is all eighties. So. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. I feel like they did one. Um, but this is the first album uh, that Hollywood Records ever put out. I don't know if they knew at the time that Freddie was going to die. Um, because they made a huge deal out of it in Entertainment Weekly. Like, this is our debut. We're going to go out there with a big bang or whatever. And they bought the entire Queen catalog. And uh, this was the only album that was new at the time that they got. They, Of course, they got that one, like you said, in 85. I can't remember what it's called. But um, I wonder if it was a disappointment knowing that he was going to, that he passed after their first album with them. And, and But then, you know, they got that blessing of Wayne's World. And then the revival, so that must have helped sell records. I don't know where I'm going with this at all. I'll shut up now. It's well, yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's the thing is, yeah. It's they, they got they got a boost, but yeah, it's hard to know what exactly uh, they were getting into with with Freddie Mercury and his and his health uh, declining, or if they even knew, or well, considering how private he was about that, I would assume that that might have been a surprise on them. Just, Sorry, just there's kinda, a. I didn't realize yeah. that the street I moved uh, to had a fire station around the corner. So hopefully that's the only time you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I wonder if they even knew about that, and then that they were kind of taken by surprise. Which I guess then would kind of explain why they at least you know why Freddie went and did those songs that ended up on Made in Heaven, because that might have been. You know, one to secure his legacy. You know, kind of. I've got all these things, but I still have more to give. Kind of like uh, in the way that you had. Uh, oh, why can't uh, David Bowie and uh, Johnny Cash both uh, kind of recorded pretty much up until the end. Yeah, it's it's amazing when it's, it's maybe that's what kept him alive longer. Is it's just he wanted to keep going and, and refused to give up. You never know. Yeah. All right, your turn. Okay, let, let's go from uh, sadness to uh, the Orbs Adventures Beyond the Ultra World. Okay, now I'm trying to remember, since I don't know these artists very well, I'm trying to remember, is this the one that's all instrumental? 
Uh, there's two of them that were all instrumental. Uh, this mm. one, uh, oh no. <laughs> but we're now at the point uh, in time in musical uh, in our our musical journey where every genre of music has subgenres that are now going to have subgenres. <laughs> <laughs> the orb is a style of, of electronica of the house genre called ambient house <laughs> okay you know this is the one that i really like this one's like the slow jam where i feel like i should just be doing some homework and drinking some coffee and just listening to this in the background just chilling yeah this this is a very chill album basically as you kind of say it's like uh, you know doing homework or probably more of what they intended uh you've gotten high and now you're on the come down and you just need something to kind of ease you back into reality. Is this a uh, European band? Because when I listen to this, I feel like I was listening to, um, you remember that band Air? I think it's Air. Yeah. They, they had that kind of like European ambiance, you know, kind of slow jam feel. Are they a European band? Yes, yes they are. Cool. I got something right for once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, basically this is, this is music. It, it, has, it has a beat. There is, you know, there's stuff that kind of is there to pump and uh, and get you moving if you want to, but it's not. It, this is chill music. This is stuff to be a little more, you know, you're relaxing, you're swaying to music as opposed to you know fist bumping uh, electronica. You know, it this you can kind of see things like uh, the influence of Kraftwerk or Brian Eno or Pink Floyd for God yeah for yeah. God's sakes, like even David Gilmour collaborated with them in an on an album in 2010 i think it not was. one of the gilmore girls just letting you know yeah but, <laughs> but the thing is like this is really this is also one song that's segmented into what 10 tracks i think it is something like that so you could take it's designed that you can take each song as an individual piece of music but it is one overarching p you know flow of music uh-huh and uh yeah it's definitely something that as you said if you want to just relax chill this is a great album for that yeah i, I really enjoyed it i was painting i'm working on this house i was painting to that and it was uh, very relaxing well good 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 what do you have up next all right so next i have whoa there's a big line there where i have to cross all that out da, 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 da. smashing pumpkins gish okay i will start with something nice about this I feel like any of these songs could have appeared on Siamese Dreams or Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and they wouldn't have seemed out of place. So, in a way, they found their sound right from the start and stuck with it. But I found this album really fucking boring. How dare you, sir? It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's like there's there's a couple of songs that try to have personality, like Rhinoceros does try. And Bury Me has, like, a little bit of, like, there's this kind of lazy staccato-ness in, like, the opening minute or so, with, like, the lyrics are chugging in, and then there's this pause, and then they kind of, but it doesn't really, like, the momentum is more like I'm drunk and stumbling around more so than, you know, something that's supposed to get my pulse pounding or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. it. When we were talking about the alternative albums, I was like, that's the, you know, I wouldn't add that, but you said it's not really part of that initial grunge wave, so. Yeah, and, and in a way, I, in re-listening to it, uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe that is 
a grunge it is definitely a grungier album than stuff that they put out later but at the same time again i i still i still can't defend that with like i mean but then i'd have to include bush then i would have to include <laughs> a lot of stuff that you kind of go yeah but <laughs> but do we really associate that with grunge or do we associate that with alternative and yeah it's it's hard to cuz it's almost they they ride that line between grunge and power pop, or power rock. What do you call it? I don't even call it. But you know, it's it's very unique. But I, I enjoyed it. But I get why. There was a time when I actually hated Smashing Pumpkins because that '95 album would would not go away. It just would not go away. And uh, I was like, I fucking hate Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> but now I'm fine with them. Well, that's the thing. It's like I I'm pretty much I like those. They're they're two big albums. Adore. Is it is interesting for the weird gothy electronic stuff, but overall I don't like that one. Uh, ma, uh, Machina or Machina, whatever whatever that one was, I like the kind of heavier metal feel to it. Yeah. But, but then they uh, there's a long period of not 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 counting uh, Corgan's other band, but like like <laughs> Yeah, from Zeitgeist for a long time. I think their music really sucks. Like, wow! That's I, I lost track of them after '98, so I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, they they put out there's there's a bunch of albums late 2000s into uh, they they put out an album like two years ago, I think, and I think that one's really good. It's like C or C Y R. Oh, okay. Well, that's it for me. You're next. My am up next. Now you caught me unawares. I think I should get back to my thing. Where am I? Okay, my next one is also an electronic album. It is the Future Sound of London's debut album, Accelerator. I, I, is that the other one that was more? Uh, yeah, this one. This one's a lot more. Uh, this one's the more technically upbeat electronic thing. There's a. There's. It's got uh, the bleeps and the bloops, and uh, in a way, this is probably. I, I'm not going to say this would be like the idea that if someone said techno this is the sort of album that would kind of come to someone's mind. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's like, it's, it was by design to be a commercial record. Oh, really? Because, well, they had success with this, uh, the, I, I picked this album, I'm going to say it's the best song on the album and probably the only song truly worth listening is Papua New Guinea. It was like they, they put up this record and it was a huge hit, so they went and did the rest of this album. And I like this album. I, it, I picked it for <laughs> I picked it for a reason. But uh, it, truly, they do not sound like this. They are. Uh, I'm going to. Well, I'll do one of their later albums uh, down the road a little bit, and you'll. I will ask. I, I guess I'll have to ask you to listen to this one and then listen to the one that I picked for the for a later show, and you'll. It's like it's almost like it's a 180 of concept but uh you know this these guys do create some interesting uh you know sonic scapes because they uh, what they do is kind of like an organic sound where they kind of choose a lot of sounds that you can find in the environment as opposed to just you know sampling just you know an electronic tone for something they actually go and find live sound to sample mm-hmm so it's you kind of get a little interesting more texture to uh, what they do, and again that's 
definitely far more down the road where you hear a lot more of that experimentation but they do a little bit of it in here you got while others cry and in Papua New Guinea there is some of that but uh, it's success is why FSOL was able to do all this far more interesting stuff later down the road because this album was holy crap here's a party record here's some techno and then we're like yeah but we're artists actually <laughs> i was fine with it i didn't i that's why i had a trouble sometimes when there's no lyrics i'm like wait which what band is which so that's why i got a little confused but i was fine with it way better than a couple of these i'm gonna have to walk away from while you talk about them. <laughs> oh yeah there's I, i'm sure there's one that hopefully you at least did the suggestion on. <laughs> i don't even remember now i don't it's been so long i listened to these albums and i tried refreshing i feel like one of them you told me to and i was like nah i'm good because i'm a dick apparently <laughs> okay but what's your next one um oh uh wait no didn't i just okay uh, got it uh sorry uh third base derelicts a dialect look um uh, i can see why people wouldn't like this album there's a thing that as i've gone through i've listened to this album probably i'm not kidding a thousand times um there is one thing that bothers me a little bit in this is the roll call you know that thing where they do like in like five of the songs is uh where they start just calling out people that they like and then of uh, Sometimes it'd be like, ah, we don't like this guy. They did this in the last album with the gas face, but Derelicts a Dialect is horribly underrated. They're a one-hit wonder band for a song that they were forced to do at the last minute by the label, and I still think Pop Goes Weasel is a fine, like, pop rap song, but I think there's a lot of uh, social commentary and weirdness in this album, and the samples, the fucking samples, their DJ's amazing! <laughs> well, it's like, I... I sat there, and this is one where I was going into it, and I wasn't sure what this, who this was, and you know, and I think I think it's when I saw this song title, I went, "Oh, these are the guys that Pop Goes the Weasel," and I'm like, I think that's the only thing I that literally was the only thing about them, and I'll say this, yeah, that, that you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's a fine song. It's okay. Uh, no master plan no master race is good uh derelicts a dialect the 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 song itself is fire but then is that that's kind of like what starts the album everything after that including the songs i think are fine are nowhere near as good and it really felt like these are a bunch of really talented people who just couldn't live up to the talent yeah i for me i just i yeah there's some stuff in here i really don't understand why there's like 30 tracks on this. And so many of them are two-minute well, songs. Yeah, skits. Yeah, the skits are weird. I hate sketches in hip-hop albums. I always think they're fucking terrible. Half of them descend into just cussing and, 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 and yelling at each other. These guys have some weird sketches that almost feel like they're kind of like that Tim and Eric bizarro world. Like, uh, one is just about this class. Ah! Uh, he hit me in the eye. Oh my eye! Oh my eye! And this got that this weird boom, 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 boom in the background, and it's like so unique when it comes to the sketches. You probably hated them, but I loved them. <laughs> I I started once I started noticing if they were sketches, I skipped past. Yeah, oh it, man, there's some. They're so funny. There's one where it's ABCs and uh, about the person that he hates. <laughs> 
it's so fucking funny to me. But um, I think Portrait of an Artist is a Hood. Uh, a word to the Third, Daddy Rich in the Land of uh, 1210. Uh, um, no Master Plan, No Master Race is a fucking great song. No Static at All uses one of my favorite samples from uh, uh, the track FM by um, Steely Dan. Um, Problem Child is great. I really just really love this album, but I just wish they had not. Like, Herbals in the Mouth is a one-minute song that goes for four because they keep calling out artists they like. <laughs> it's like, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a point where, you know, it's like, sure, that's... You, you can always say you enjoy someone and, you know, reference them in a song, but if you just make it your song, then... <laughs> yeah. Um, they have a cameo by Chubb Rock. Um, I think he has a really deep, deep voice. I love listening to him. But um, MF Doom is on this album. I must have missed that. He didn't go by MF Doom. I'm trying to remember what his first well, name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sav Love X or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but even I, then, he, he has a very noticeable voice. No, like, this is no. His voice is completely different on this one. It doesn't sound like him at all. Oh, then, no. Fine, then. <laughs> yeah. MF Doom. I, wanna, I can't remember what track it was. Sev Love. Nah, whatever. He was in a band at the time, but he, he disappeared for a few years after this. And then he rebor- he was reborn as MF Doom. Um but it, this is their final album together. They just, I don't know what it was. The two main guys just couldn't get along. And MC Search went on to do his own album a couple years later, which is fine. Um, and then the other guy took all his money and opened up his own baseball hall of fame in New York. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But that's it for me. I had this shirt. Uh, <laughs> I had two hip-hop shirts <laughs> in 1992 in a very small town in Indiana. Uh, one that I now live really close to. I had Public Enemy and Third Base. No one cared I had the Third Base for some reason, but they were fucking angry with me about the Public Enemy shirt. I got the crap beat out of me. I got made fun of all the time. Called a certain something blank lover uh, over it. Weird. But I just remember getting those both. I was like, you guys don't have... I guess it's because they're white, huh? I guess you guys are cool with that. I don't know what's up with... I don't know where I'm going with that. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, well, I guess my next one is going to be My Life with the Thrill Kill Cults, Sexplosion. Not what I thought the band was going to sound like. I know a track of theirs. I want to say it's off the Crow soundtrack. Am I wrong? Yeah, that, yeah, no, you're right. That sounds nothing like My Life with the Thrill Kill Cults. Yeah, it's, that one's intense compared to yeah, what's I, on this album. And I like this album quite a bit. I was surprised. I was apprehensive. I was like, and I was like, oh, oh, cool. Well, okay, uh, I I I have to say this. I like the, the their previous album, Confessions of a Knife, but this is where TKK finds themselves as a band because they were originally conceived to be the soundtrack of a film that that they were going to make, uh, a film called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. You know, like they were going to do this, uh, you know, kind of seventies exploitation movie, and so the soundtrack was this kind of. A weird 70s mishmash electronic and you know it was weird uh the film never never happened but uh wax tracks really liked it and uh went and released their soundtrack and so they kind of spent a spent a few years releasing stuff i had debated you know doing a couple of uh tkk albums prior to this but this is like i said this is where they find their sound because 
all of a sudden it just becomes full frontally 100% 70s exploitation music. Like everything on this album feels like it's a song that you would have, you know, it feels like, oh yeah, I would have heard this in a Grindhouse movie as a as a title sequence. Yeah. It's it's yeah, I feel like a little Tarantino. Like uh what's the beginning of Grindhouse, the um not not his. The one Robert Rodriguez did. Yeah, Planet Terror. Planet Terror, yeah, when she's dancing or whatever. It feels a little like that. Yeah, and they, they call this the they call this sound evil disco. And you know, it's like I mean this has probably some of their best known songs because there's uh Sex Explosion, Sex on Wheels, Leather Sex. I, I, I think you'll start noticing a theme here. <laughs> uh, Martini Built for Two, uh, Dream Baby. Uh, my favorite song on the album actually is uh, Princess of the Queens, The Lost Generation, which uh, features uh, some female vocals that uh, they ended up... Uh, I don't know if these are the same same ladies on this album that ended up following them throughout there, but it was the Bomb Gang Girls ended up being part of the band as well. And I've seen them live. They are fantastic. If you can get a chance to see them, they put on a hell of a fun show. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just fun, dancey music. Okay, where are we at? Yeah. So what do you have? Oh, to this is probably the one that you didn't like. Um, uh, Van Halen for unlawful carnal knowledge. Yep. Uh, I, I I know when we did the perfect set list, I mentioned that I'm not really a fan of the Hagar alien of, of Van Halen. And, you know, I did listen to this when I was putting together the set list. So I listened to it again, maybe, you know, hey, maybe there'll be something different this time around. And, you know... I, I don't really like that. I don't like uh, Sammy Hagar as a vocalist on. Some on people this. hate Sammy Hagar. Uh, I'm fine with both versions. One's a party band. One's more sincere. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, this is this is the only album of theirs where I'm completely in. I like a few of their stuff. But I think sometimes their earnestness is kind of corny. You know, especially like in the previous albums, Fifty One Fifty and. Uh, uh, OU812 I think is the name of it I think the the uh, earnestness of it kind of makes me roll my eyes it, it seems like it's aimed at girls buying the records you know what I mean instead of just being a rock yeah. record well like I said this is they as I said you know like from this then going to the uh, Lee Roth album they are you know Van Halen is an arena rock band at this point so they're writing arena rock band songs and they have those have a very specific sound to them they have a very specific uh, thing and the problem is all the songs on this album except for uh, right now sound like that they kind of just it, it's like a monotone of an album i mean pound cake is a little is fine yeah that's a weird one it starts off with uh what is it pound cake uh with the 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 um hand drill which is such a weird choice yeah, it's like Power Cake. I guess Dream uh, was it. Dream is over. It's like, you know, fine. You know, it's like those are listenable songs. <laughs> Again, right now I actually have a weird, a weird tie to because uh, in college I was 
well, I'm still uh, no. In college, I was really huge into anime, so much so that I did music videos. Uh, that I actually went to Anime Expo and submitted music videos for that and got in. And there was, I can't remember if it was one of the videos competing or if it was one that I saw in the pre-show the night before with all the other uh, applicants, people who were part of the the contest. But there was a video too right now done in the style of the uh, right now video but with anime clips yeah and it is hilarious because they do they they do the most appropriate version of that video but in an anime context that's just it it was so perfect that i it, as cheesy as that song is it just i now have a you know, now have even a higher love of this song just because I saw stupid cartoons tied to <laughs> Well, I remember right song. now for me was associated with Crystal Pepsi. Do you remember that bullshit or you too oh, young? Oh, yeah. No, I remember that. God, that was ridiculous. Um, and I, I know people are nostalgic for Crystal Pepsi, and I'm like, you mean Sprite? <laughs> um yeah, uh, the, this is out of order on the Wikipedia, but um, yeah, Pound Cake, I believe, is the first one, and that was a lot of fun. But Man on a Mission's a great song. Run Around was a lot of fun. That Run Around feels more like it would be a David Lee Roth song because it's more uh, upbeat and kind of silly. Um, then there's Judgment Day, which is a kind of a powerful song I really like. But the rest of it, I no, Top of the World is great. Standing on top of the world for a little while. You know what? Actually, I just really like this. I like this album. <laughs> it's just it's so much better than the other ones because like with the 95 one balance goes back to being super sincere and kind of corny yeah well I, that, that's the thing is i for me ben halen does kind of end with uh with lee roth just even even the last album that has lee roth on it I it, it's nowhere near as good as anything they put out in the 70s or even early 80s. I just for me sometimes it just kind of feels like some bands they they put out enough material at some point that it's like okay and everything after that is just kind of oh yeah we're still we're still around. We're still we're staying relevant as much as we can. Well, you remember when um what was it they, they broke up because they were doing a greatest hits collection in '96, uh, uh, and Sammy Hagar was like, "No fucking way, we're not a greatest hits band yet. What are you doing?" And they still <laughs> insisted on doing it. And then they had that meeting with David Lee Roth to do a, like a new track for the album, and it just pissed Sammy off, and the band broke up. And I do feel like there's a certain point where bands are just done. You know, Aerosmith you know was done yeah you know and they started they knew it and they just they stopped trying to do hits and they just started doing um uh like the blues albums and and it's just there's there's a point where some bands just go you know what we're a legacy act now we're good we don't have to push so hard to do songs that we don't necessarily want to do yeah although some people managed i, I like i'll bring up red hot chili peppers i think kind of gotten in a way, a little bit better, becoming uh, an adult contemporary yeah. band. <laughs> yeah, because you listen to the first few albums, and they're kind of unfocused party band. Um, and then after that, you know, it's 91. As much as I don't like Under the Bridge, that really forced their sound in a different direction. Yeah. But it's like, and I really do think that Californication 
really kind of set them on a path that works really well for them. Yeah, but that's and, that's off topic. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> We're getting is. distracted here. <laughs> All right, so your turn. My next one is Osric Tentacles, Strangitude. I don't remember this album at all. No. Uh, this is this is more background music. Uh, it's spacey psychedelic prog rock. You know, it again. It's another thing where if you really want to listen to some interesting soundscapes. Uh, uh, okay, uh, did you ever see the show Vent- The Venture Brothers? Oh yeah, I've seen like the first four seasons, I think. Okay, uh, do you remember the bit where Dr. Venture is introducing Dean to the prog rock to inspire him to do super science? No, and I don't remember. They, what season they, was that? I want to say it's four. It might have been season five, but I'm pretty sure it's four. It, but in doing this, he uh, introduces them to Yes, and they play like a Yes song, and there's this trippy psychedelic thing that he's uh, going through. And that's kind of what Strangitude does to me is I can just sit down and well any Oscar Tentacles album really but you just kind of sit down and you just uh, it's an experience more so than it is an album even though there are songs that you can each song is different from each other it's not unlike say uh, like The Orb where it's not a single track these are individual pieces uh, but it is an experience it is there to just kind of sit there and i i seem to like this a lot apparently i like to have music just kind of wash over me like the ocean i just want want to be engulfed by this and be in my little happy little happy space i guess then again i also listen to you know hardcore metal so i'm yeah. apparently very weird <laughs> but Yes, uh, if you like if you like uh, prog rock, this this is definitely something for for you. Yeah, I'm I'm fifty fifty with prog rock. Sometimes I think it wanders off too far, and you're like, meh, not for me. No, what you got for me then? All right, so uh, where are we at here? DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince home base. Oh, this one. <laughs> this one uh, it's cute that Will Smith thinks he's hard at one point eh, I added this because I listened to it a million times growing up it is not there, the previous one was that brass album I think um, in this corner uh, this one I listened to it and some of the songs are so good and some of these I fucking laugh at a dog is a dog is a dog arf, arf. But yeah, there. It's like yeah, it does, definitely doesn't have the charm of uh, he's the rapper, I'm the DJ. Uh, but there's some things in there like I like the uh, New Jack Swing feel to what is it? Uh, the things that you do, kind of like that feel to it. Uh, you know, summertime of of course, you know that that's a hell of a track. Uh, but I'm just they're kind of going. I, I really lost my tolerance for Will Smith bragging about himself. That is, I, mm, there's stuff in uh, rap that drives me nuts. It's when you're not humble anyway. You brag, you brag, you brag. But that was kind of a thing that was rising at this point. Yeah, and again, I think it, what at this point we did have uh, Will Smith as for, as the the Fresh Prince of Bella, right? Yeah, he had already done. I think this came out at the end of season one. I want to say. Yeah, so there's there is no denying Will Smith has charm. There's no denying Will Smith has talent. 
And this album doesn't really showcase a lot of that, unfortunately. I love... A lot of it's the samples. Um, I think the horn section from... Uh, okay, so I'm All That has a horn section from a Rick James song. I came home last night. I can't remember the song. It's, it's, it's his other second big hit, not Super Freak, but the one after that. Uh, Give it to me, girl. That's it. Um, I think that's the greatest horn piece in history, and they use it on all um, on uh, I'm All That, and I think that just really kicks the album off great. Summertime, of course, is the big one. Do you know how many people wrote this fucking song? No, I didn't look at I didn't look at the uh, the credits on that Five, one. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, <laughs> eleven, twelve. Shit. Twelve people wrote that song. Twelve. Well, I'm wondering if part of that is with samples and all that, because. It could be, you, I guess. Yeah, part of that could very well be, oh, we used the sample from this, so that's now, and we paid for it, so it now includes this credit, this credit, and this yeah. credit. Yeah, what I don't like is that he ditched the silliness. Uh, yeah, that was a like, lot of the fun. I don't know why he decided all of a sudden he had to be, like, hard. Um, yeah. That thing he drew is a, is a fine, like, kind of almost uh, R&B dance song. Um, Ring My Bells Trapped. is fun. Yeah. Trapped to the dance floor, I liked quite a bit. Yeah, but, but you saw my blinker? Come on, what a fucking terrible song. Yeah, Who Stole the DJ is fucking unlistenable. Oh, yeah, and uh, Dog is a Dog, like I said, is just laughable. Yeah, no, it, it yeah, we, we had, we had their, their highlight album, and then this is just kind of, it's, it's, it's like diminishing returns at this point. Yeah, and, again, and then Code Red is the summertime. one. Code Red is the final <laughs> album, and that one they tried to go really hard, and that one is ridiculous. Boom, boom, shake, shake the room, tip, 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 boom. But this, this was like one of the only rap records my mother would tolerate. Is something from DJ Desi Jeff. We listened to this quite a bit, <laughs> and I think a lot of it's because the sample she knew. That's it. Yeah. Wait, you saw my blinker as one of the singles from this album? What was he thinking? <laughs> Well, like you said, there were, you know, the the musical, you know, music was changing. He needed to uh, show that he was he was a tough guy, and yeah. it was really fucking pathetic. No, you know what? I'm looking at the singles from Anandin's Corner. No, that's a that's a one hit wonder album. It must have been the one before that. He's a DJ on the rapper. But that one, that one's rough because. There's a let's we didn't mention it when I when I talked about this the first time, but there's this track it towards the end. I can't remember what it is, but it's live, and he's talking to the audience and he's like, "Everybody on this side, say yeah!" And then he goes, "Everybody on this side with AIDS, say yeah!" And then one says a word, and I'm like, "Ew, that's fucked up." Yeah. Isn't it? Ha 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 ha! Isn't it funny? Oh, the '80s. <laughs> Yeah. All right, your turn. All right. Shotgun Messiah's Second Coming. I don't even remember this one. Holy shit. Oh. I Well, it's like I would have asked if you've ever heard of this band, but I guarantee you never would have. Uh, they're This is a weird group. Uh, they hail from Sweden, and their first album uh, uh, was uh, basically, uh, it was called Welcome to Bop City, and it was actually recorded when they called themselves something different, but uh, they they got picked up by Relativity Relativity Stateside, and their first album is like the glamiest of glam rock. <laughs> like seriously, like they went full on glam rock. Like you, like it almost almost parody 
they went full on. And aside from like the the opening song, uh, Bob City, there's really nothing else about this. But then before they got their, this album out, their vocalist left. And this is actually the reason why they come to my attention. Their bass player is a guy named Tim Skold. And that is Tim, who? Tim, Tim Skold uh, became a member of KMFDM. Okay. And then, uh, where more people will have known him, became a member of Marilyn Manson. Ah. And actually is responsible for two of their two of the bigger albums of the kind of mid-2000s Manson career. So he's... He, he was he was bass player of the first album. He's in the lead singer on the second and third album. The second album ends up becoming this uh, like '90s post glam hard rock kind of like if you threw Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, and Bon Jovi into a blender, you kind of would get this album. And it's actually pretty good, you know, all things considered. You know what what this is. You know, Heartbreak Boulevard, Nobody's Home. Babylon, uh, Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll. These are all really good songs by a band that literally never, ever showed up anywhere. Like, they, I don't even think they have any videos, to be honest. Huh. It was just like, I guess Relativity got this band, went, here you go, and then just kind of they disappeared up into the ether. Which is kind of a shame because even they got some good ballads like Living Without You and I Want More are pretty fucking good ballad songs you know it's like in, within this kind of mishmash of a uh, you know late 80s early 90s rock sensibility but this album didn't really go anywhere so Tim decided to turn the turn them into an industrial album and so their third album is this weird industrial thing so they have three albums that sound completely different from each other, all under the same name. And I kind of wish you would—I kind of wish you uh, go revisit this because <laughs> I would love to hear hear you uh, listen to this second album, and then I'll tell you look up one album from the third album and just be like, "How do these things fit?" Because they don't. <laughs> but anyway, oh. Actually, you might have heard one of his songs, uh, Tim Skold's solo stuff. You know the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Universal Soldier, The Return? Yeah. He has a song on their soundtrack, uh, his song Chaos. I don't remember that one at all. I've seen that movie way too many times considering how fucking terrible it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I, I'm disappointed you didn't remember it. All right, I'm going to look this but up. Then they, Universal, but then, oh, all I remember is Crush Em. From Megadeth in that movie, I even have yeah. that movie. I'm gonna to listen to it. I'm gonna look for that track. Yeah, it, it's actually this is his first solo album's really good. But uh, yeah, anyway, that I'm sad that you didn't remember it. But then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it's that's kind of their career. <laughs> no one remembers them, even though they, by design almost, they kind of. Threw themselves into, uh, hey, people like this. Let's try it. But My turn. We are. 
You're up. Okay, Cypress Hill, the initial album, self-titled. I uh, listened to this a million times. Look, I know I don't like gangster rap. <laughs> I said this. <laughs> I fucking love this. I don't know what you call this. A lot of why this works. I don't necessarily like what they're talking about, but his flow is so unique. And their samples, they got, like, like their uh, third base, they have one of the best DJs I've ever heard. And the samples just fucking kill. And just first album, out the door, just kicking ass. I think they, they, they were going well for like three or four albums. And, uh, and then it kind of started to you know fall apart. But god damn it, this is good. Latin lingo is uh, the best one, I think. Well, that's just it. Uh, part of me goes, it's not Black Sunday, so I'm not going to like it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I do think it. I, the, the, as a debut, it's fine. Uh, but they do get better. Yeah, definitely. And but for initial album, this is pretty good. Well, it's like, I think, how can I just kill a man and uh, Psycho Beta Buck down, I think are definitely the tracks that hooked me the most and yeah. I was really enjoying. The, but it, then, Psycho Beta Buck down, it, it's, it's funny that that track is all crammed together because that's how fast that fucking moves. Yeah. Another one with a great horn section. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I... I think it's a fine album, but it, I, yeah, it didn't, it didn't get me as much as, as I kind of would have hoped. Yeah, the second and third one are way better. But, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say on, sadly, on that one. It was just kind of, okay, uh, it, we're good. I, we yeah, don't need to go, yeah. oh my god, we're going for over an hour? Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Your turn. All right, uh, Mr. Bungle's debut album, Mr. Bungle. It's, God, you say it too fast. It sounds like you're saying bunghole. I swear. <laughs> yes. Okay, welcome to an evil carnival. Because, oh my God, this is this is an album that uh, basically by design is there to throw you off balance at every moment yeah it's hard to get into but it's still very unique i've had a couple mr bungle albums i don't keep it very long because i feel like the novelty wears off of how weird it is and then i just kind of go nah, i'm gonna go back to faith no more well it's like i like i like these because like uh like say the debut the, the debut the first track on the album it's like an oingo boingo song from a tim burton movie or out of a tim burton movie universe i should say like uh, you know, you, you do have "Squeeze Me Macaroni," which is, does kind of have like a Red Hot Chili Peppers vibe to it, but everything about this is just constantly—it's quirky, but it's again, it's a dark roller coaster. It's if you bow out of this album quickly, though, I would not blame anybody. Uh, I like this, but then I kind of like this as a different band there's a band called dog fashion disco that does music kind of like this but a little bit more i don't want to say coherent no but coherent is more... probably the better word i haven't heard them but that's mr bungle's thing is to throw you off your balance but it's like they do they do this style of music but yeah it's more metal -y and definitely but you if you like this you would like that sort of thing and I don't necessarily go. I don't necessarily could say if you like dog fashion disco, you'd like Bumble, because <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike Patton is Mike Patton's a weird guy, and it shows. In this. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that they're even able to get him to control himself for a couple albums with Faith No More <laughs> is amazing. 
That was like yeah. his. Uh, what was his deal? Like he said, he could stay. In, like he would join Face No More, but he had to be able to do an album between each one with Mr. Bungle because that was his original band. Yeah, and and I, I understand. I kind of understand the idea. Like I love Tool. I can't listen to uh, Perfect Circle. Uh, no, no, I love Perfect Circle oh. as well. It's the other one, uh, uh, Pussifer. Oh, I because... didn't realize that was him. Yeah, that's very much Maynard's I'm going to do whatever I want record. Oh, okay. And there are songs uh, there are songs that I like, but I can't name a single album that I would ever want to own. But Mr. Buggle, yes. Go go for it if you're adventurous. That's All right. So, uh No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne his huge comeback. I mean, this was massive for him you know because you know if you think about his mid 80s once once randy rhodes had died i feel like ozzy got a little unfocused you know that's i think when the drinking was really getting out of control and his sound wasn't completely locked down like he still had a couple hits but like you know he had the lita ford one which wasn't exactly his song but 91 it's just like something changed you know and, and he gelled with zach wild he changed how he wrote songs there was even more complex than they were before. Ozzy is maybe the most underrated uh, performer, songwriter ever. Because when people think of him, especially now, they think of that doddering old fool from the reality show when in fact so many of his songs are unbelievably well-structured and powerful. Yeah, and this is definitely my favorite, uh, my second favorite Ozzy album. I mean, yes, Wizard of Oz is still, as a solo artist, his greatest achievement maybe his greatest achievement as an artist period oh but, yeah osmosis is my favorite one but uh you know it's like uh, the two records that follow i think are good but you know again with randy rhodes the magic on that first album it, I, is yet to be replicated yeah and and i'm not a particularly big fan of zach wilde but i do think this album's a great showcase for his talents mm-hmm it's more yeah, epic. So. His sound, the sound that Ozzy's going for in this album, it seems, it seems like he's trying to circumvent. It's like he knew what was going to happen with music, that grunge was going to take over, and he purposely stayed away from everything that uh, hair metal was uh, collapsing over. You know, like shitty bullshit songs that were about nothing, and even the solos, they feel different than anything else at that time. He was gearing towards complexity um you know like the way metallica was you know they're, they're layered songs but he's not as intense of course as thrash but there's something different about his work i can't put my finger on it but uh but let's just talk about the tracks real quick uh mr tinker train like perry mason is one of these badass kick the doors open um creepy and wild songs to start off with yeah you oh my god there's I don't have a track listing on in front of me. Yeah, I have it in front of me because I'm a cheater. But but I'll I'll say this. It's like four of these songs of six that were originally thought of were co-written by Lemmy, which uh, just, you know, like fills my heart with joy because that's one of the other things. I I don't think we really touched on when we we did the the one uh, Motorhead album is – Lemmy isn't a bad lyricist. No, it's just you know, he has a very unique sound that isn't commercial. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to hear songs that uh, he has 
partially responsible for. Uh, most, the biggest one being Hellraiser off this album, where I know we talked about it on on that on the other show, where I said what would be amazing is to have Lemmy show up and sing Hellraiser with with uh, with them. And I don't know. Did you hear the 30th anniversary version of Hellraiser? Where no, they I haven't. It into a, they turned it into the duet where they pulled Lemmy's vocals from his version and Ozzy's vocals. And they used the music from the Ozzy version. Okay. But but they tur- they mashed them together. They turned it into a into an actual uh, duet between the two. And it's amazing. And un- there's a great video, animated video for it. But unfortunately, I think the only way you can ha- own a copy is if you buy the digital 30th anniversary. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know on the, the newer version, they also added his one track from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack, uh, Party with the Animals, which I love. And uh, it's the only way you can find it now, unless you buy the old soundtrack. But who's doing that? I would. <laughs> Uh, where are we at? Okay, so yeah, what do you prefer, his version of Hellraiser or uh, Motorhead's? I'm just curious. Oh, I prefer the motor. I prefer the Motorhead version of it, but that's also it, it's fascinating to listen to these two songs side by side because it's musically more or less the same song. Lyrically, uh, Motorhead's version is a little bit different, but uh, more or less the same song. But it's the heaviness of Motorhead that really changes how that song feels and it becomes a heavier you know much more rock anthem Mm -hmm. whereas yeah you kind of you you kind of said where the no more tears a little bit more of an epic his his is more of like this epic song that you if you're listening to it in a concert you're going to have huge spotlights you know when hellraiser happens like huge floodlights are going to hit hit the crowd at this point, whereas you know Lemmy's doing it and it's just going to be like staccato lights or something. You know, you're going to be fist pumping and wanting to punch the guy next to you when you hear the Motorhead version, and the other one you're kind of like embracing eternity or something in in the Aussie version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I, no more tears. Of course, Mama, I'm coming home. Is are I mean, do you? This is side note. I'm sorry, I got ADD. Do you remember when uh, he had the concert for this and he said it's called No More Tours? And we're all like, sure. We even knew it back then. I was like, yeah, you're still going on tour. We know it. <laughs> too young. Yeah, too many people are always, I'm no longer going to be touring. In the yeah. Movie. Oh, you know Kiss is going to go back out there. But I would not be surprised if Kiss hires other people to be in the makeup. I mean, I'm not even shocked. Well, when Slayer said they were on their last tour ever, I genuinely I wanted to make sure I saw them, but I was kind of like, uh huh, there it's going to be a very long tour, isn't it? And it kind of was. Yeah, some of these go on for like two or three years, and you're like, wait, does this still count as one tour? What's going on here? But that's it. I don't know. I don't know what I also have to say about it. But it's 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 a legendary. It's such a great album. I know I'm cheating by picking a couple albums that everybody knows. Eh, it's my show. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. No. No worries. Uh, did you want to say anything that uh, like that you didn't pick? Um. Well, I have. Oh, let's see. I wanted to do Tom Petty into the Great Wide Open. The only reason I held off on that is because over on that other thing that we do, 
you know, you, I, and Ron separately. Uh, you know, the perfect concert playlist. I feel like Tom Petty is meant more for that. Um, Leaders of the New School, I really thought I was going to like. It's okay. Uh, Primus, almost. Uh, EMF, REM, The Tragically Hip, Jesus Jones, which I had at the time, but it doesn't hold up very well. And then Black Sheep, A Wolf in Sheep Clothing. What almost made yours? I almost had, and I almost did pick this one, even though it's a little too big. Metallica's Black Album. Uh, Pig Faces, Gub their debut album uh alice cooper's hey stupid oh oh damn that is a good one yeah i know i know uh tim machine two uh boys to men's coolie high harmony uh coils loves secret domain and ned's atomic dustbins godfather oh that's a good one yeah yeah so some good stuff there that i Pigface would have been interesting because you would have heard a very, again, another early uh, Trent Reznor song done by technically someone else. (laughs) But uh, my final album is Death's Human. Uh, Oh, is this the one that you want me to listen to, like a certain song of? This one I don't remember either. But I think it's because I bailed almost immediately. Yeah, it's, it's a death metal album by potentially the grandfather band of death metal uh this is i don't think this is their best album like you know that that would probably be uh, symbolic which is a couple years down the road uh but this is the one that if not the first death metal album that actually started to lean into musical complexity and uh, feature lyrics that are actually introspective as opposed to just being like gore related or you know oh society is evil you know these those sorts of things like uh you know death you know technically i guess maybe the first death metal album is by possessed but you know we death kind of more or less quote-unquote named the genre by their own name uh, you know these these bands leaned heavily into the occult and horror themes, you know, yeah. like Slayer and stuff like that. But then these guys, you know, Chuck uh, Chuck Shoulder and his and his crew, kind of went, you know what? I know how to play my instrument. I'm going to actually start showing people that I can actually put together songs that aren't, you know, like the punk three riffs or anything like this. It's you know, check out this. That's why I said listen to the song Cosmic Sea, because it's an instrumental track, and it really kind of showcases you know the guy's talent without having to listen to. Because I know you're not as big big fan of falsetto voices, and this guy does definitely when he does his growling, he goes pretty high at times. But uh, you know, I mean, this guy uh, like the album is Suicide Machine, Lack of Comprehension. Uh, flattening of emotions like these really you know it's like you kind of you do have to sit there and maybe if you don't have the ear for it at the moment at the time maybe look for like a lyric sheet or something but there's there's a lot of stuff in this in these songs that you know people give gave metal you know a hard time and it's like yeah this is where these where the bands start kind of going okay, fine, yes, I'm an actual human being who has genuine thoughts and emotions. Hear me, you know, check this out. Now, I'm still going to growl, you know, growl them at you, 
I'm not gonna not gonna not do that but you know here here's here's me being myself as opposed to here's me writing you an oral horror film but that's about it yep I can't believe we recorded. This is the longest you've ever recorded, and I apparently am becoming an old man because I'm pooped. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so I got nothing to do. I don't have a job right now, so I don't know why I'm t- pooped. Uh, Matthew Sweet, girlfriend, is my final choice. Uh, really breaking through as a cult. You know, like he's never really been mainstream. Yes, we all knew the anime video that he did for this, but two of them, and because uh, yeah, it's like girlfriend and. I've been waiting. That's that's it. Using Space Adventure Cobra and Urusei Yatsura. And guess what? Those videos suck. <laughs> I love those animes. Those videos fucking suck. I just love the songs. And it was the first time I had really seen anime. So, uh, But what it is, it's power pop. It's really breaking through with that sound that would you know build throughout the decade. Um I, st- I don't think any of the tracks on here. Evangeline's great. You know, Girlfriend's great. A lot of it's just very pleasant. It's a casual, kind of comfortable album you can listen to with anybody. Um, I think the next album is his best album because Sick of Myself is one of the greatest songs in history. Uh, mostly because I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's just a guy who kind of on the cusp of breaking through and it just didn't happen. I will have to tell you, I'll have to be very honest with you on this one. I didn't finish this one. No, that's okay, dude. I, I yeah, yeah. I, I will. I got. I I didn't hear like maybe the what the last two or three songs on this. I just it, it got to a point where I was just, you know, it's it's basically it's a very much an alt, alternative rock album released in the nineties. Yep. No, you know, you don't have, obviously, we've agreed that you know if we don't dig now, we can bail at any time and then move on. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it. It just they're going. Uh, I knew I know girlfriend. I had heard that song before, but yeah, beyond that, I'm just kind of going, huh? Okay, this is a thing. <laughs> yeah, it, like it, I kind of felt like I thought I knew uh, parts of. I thought I knew. Uh, why can't I talk anymore? Thought I knew you. It felt like he was just ripping off, uh, losing my religion. Girlfriend did kind of did feel like he was ripping off Jefferson Airplane. Somebody to love at times. Not at, not throughout the whole. It's not court case amount of stuff, but still, there's some of those lyrics where it's just you know he just took the lyrics from somebody to love and just added a few things you know before and after it. You know, just kind of going wow. Eh. Okay. Listen, there there are better there are better albums, even ones I didn't like as much, that I think ended up being better than this one. Yeah. Oh well. I don't know how to end this. I feel like I have to trim this a little bit. We're both getting tired. I think we're old men now. <laughs> uh, we, seriously, we've never recorded just one episode, dude. Uh, yeah. So I guess uh, do your plugs and let's head on out. Okay, I am on. Uh both Twitter and Twitch as musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. And I uh, I need to figure out how to get my Raspberry Pi hooked up so I can do Twitch because there's some old games I would love to play that you guys have probably never seen before because I have some like obscure stuff in there, like the whole catalogs of stuff. And uh, 
Sadly, for some reason, the Neo Geo doesn't work anymore, and that's my favorite system, so I'm really sad right now. Oh, no Metal Slug playthroughs, really. Um, that is it. Uh, check us out on Facebook and any of your podcast subscription stuff, and Twitter as Hit Rewind Podcast. And that is it, everybody. Rock on!